The following is presented to you by Maranatha Bible Church of Comstock Park, Michigan. For more information, go to mbcmi.org. All right, well, I guess we'll get started. Welcome to class number four of parenting through all life stages. Next week is going to be a little different. I won't be here. I'll be at um, the College and Career Retreat. They dragged me there again this year, so I'll be there. Looking forward to it. But we're going to have uh, Matt Tomlinson's going to be in here, and he's going to kind of facilitate. Um, there's going to be a couple, two or three um, families in here, and they're going. He's going to interview them with a few different questions, and then um, Bill, Paul, who's um, was for 20, 30 years uh, taught in the public schools, he's going to give a little um, kind of a little presentation on navigating public schools um, so you want to be here for those those events but I won't be here and then the final week the 14th I'll be back with the closing closing sessions so all right well let me pray and we'll kind of have a little review of last week Heavenly Father thank you for this day uh, thank you for the wonderful uh, message we heard this morning just uh, the reminder of um, the thread of um, truth that goes through your word from the Old Testament all the way to uh, the new concerning um, the Messiah. And we just thank you for that. And I pray this morning as we look at these principles concerning parenting that you would help us to um, learn from it. Lord, whatever stage of parenting we're in, whether uh, we're wanting to have children, we have newborns, um, young children, teenagers, or adult children, and grandkids, just help us to put these principles into practice uh, for your glory and for your honor. We love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so a summary of last week. We looked at uh, the, all the different roles of a parent, and we, we basically looked at the evangelist, uh, prayer warrior, a disciplinarian, and then we, we didn't get to the last two, teacher and the encourager. And those are the two we're going to spend our, our time on today. So any questions about any of those that we talked about last week? No? All right, so let me just kind of review them a little bit. We said as a, oops, let me go back. As the evangelist, we said never abbreviate the message. When you're sharing the gospel with your kids, don't dilute it. Don't dilute the message just because they're young. You teach them the same message when they're young, maybe use different words, but, and as they get older, they'll, they'll be used to it. So don't worry about that. And then allow the Holy Spirit to offer them assurance. You don't want to tell them, and what I mean by that is you don't want to say, oh, we know you're saved, don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to give them assurance, but you also don't want to, you know, crush if you see a heart that's soft and a desire for the word. You want to encourage that as well and say, you know, what I'm seeing here is encouraging to me. I'm seeing um, fruit in your life. So you want to encourage them, but you don't want to ever say, well, if they come to you and say, well, I said this prayer at day camp, so I know I'm good. You don't ever... Tell, give them assurance there and say, oh, yeah, you're saved, you're good to go. No, you just tell them, well, let's see, if, no, is there fruit in your life? And, and watch them and just be very um, discerning. That's, that's the whole point there. Um, we looked at the prayer warrior, uh, several areas to pray for your child. We said pray for wisdom in raising them, the ability to trust God's providence. Obviously, you pray for their salvation. You want to pray for their protection, that they would have strength and comfort in their trials. 
Pray for wisdom in their future decisions. Pray for their relationships. And then pray for their future heart of ministry. So those are all just some things that we looked at on how you could be praying for your child. And I was telling you that when I was saved early on, I was saved around the same time my daughter was born. And I kept these journals of my prayers. And I look back at those journals now and I see these things that I prayed for in 1997 and 98, 99. I see these prayers answered one after another. I'm just like, wow. Go back and look at those prayers and see how the Lord was faithful in answering them. Um, so do that. Keep a journal. It'll be encouraging as you go back and look at those things. Um, I look at prayers I, I prayed for my wife. You know, she wasn't saved for 16 years. I prayed for my wife and he saved her. You know, and I... It's just, it's just amazing to see the Lord answer those prayers. Um, then we talked about the parent as a disciplinarian. That's where we spent most of our time last week. And we said as a disciplinarian, you need to be reasonable. Your discipline needs to be reasonable. It needs to be uh, definable and useful. And then we said there's five principles concerning consequences when it deals with, that's okay, when it deals with um, discipline. They, they must be enforced. Your discipline has to be enforced. Consequences, I mean. They need to be enforced. They need to be age-appropriate. So you have to be very discerning in how you're using this discipline. And then it needs to be based on the nature of the offense when you discipline a child. You know, base it on the nature of the offense. Done in love not and in self-control. You have to have self-control and, and, and be loving when you're disciplining the child. They'll, they'll recognize that if you're doing it out of anger. It's not done in love. Uh, they'll recognize that. Um, and that needs to be stated ahead of time as much as possible. You, you, let, you help the children understand this is the consequences for this behavior. <coughs> so they know this is what's going to happen if they do these things as much as possible. So that's where we went last week. We spent the whole you know, hour on that. So uh, today we're going to move and we're going to look at the role of the teacher, parent as a teacher. Now that's one of the, the, the primary means of fulfilling God's direction to parents in training their children. Now, it's true that the results of this training obviously is up to God, there, there are, but there's a few important prerequisites that we need to um, understand as we enter into teaching our children. And these prerequisites were from uh, an article I found, or a, actually a teaching lesson from Grace Community Church, where I used to go. Um, I love these three prerequisites, and they were the three R's, they call them. Recognize, so you need to recognize that a child lacks understanding and needs to be taught. Uh, Solomon makes this clear in the opening of Proverbs. It says, to know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge, and discernment. So recognize that a child lacks understanding. They need to be um, taught. Uh, that's, that's basic. Secondly, realize Realize that children learn incrementally. So this, will, this is a great way to help you teach. Understand, they don't, they're not going to learn everything at once. You, you, teach them, you, you teach them something over and over and over and over again. It seems like they're never getting it. But they learn incrementally. So realize that. Um, and then well, you look at Isaiah 28.10. It says, For he says, Order on order, order on order, line on line, line on line, a little here, a little there. So Isaiah is just referring to his method. A little bit here, a little bit there. Just teach them a little here. Don't feel like you have to throw it all on them at once. Teach them just little by little. 
and they'll begin to understand. We want to be teaching them from the earliest days, even though they don't understand it. But they'll, they'll, they'll pick up a little at each level. I, I was telling the ladies, some of the ladies in my theology class were telling me, I just can't, there's too much in this theology book, biblical doctrine. Um, it's just too, it's too much, too deep. I can't process all this. And I said, well, just study it and you'll pick up a little bit. And the next time you hear it, you'll pick up a little bit more. But don't let that keep you from diligently studying it because you will pick up a little bit each time. Just like in languages, in seminary. You know, the first few weeks, ugh, man, Greek, I have no clue what they're talking about. Hebrew, but as you go, it, you slowly start to say, hey, I'm, I'm actually learning this. The more you do it and the more you're, um, you're involved. So it's that way with anything. It's the same with kids, though. Just, you know, teach them little by little. They will pick it up. Uh, an example it, with kids is, you know, we desire our kids, our children, to be physically pure until marriage. So, that's when does that teaching begin? Well, even though you don't get the facts of life to a two-year-old, it doesn't mean you're not teaching them the concepts of purity and appropriate physical contact. You're teaching that stuff even at the youngest. Bill. Mm. That's, that's exactly the steps that we work with. The three R's, you're saying? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, good. As the kids get older and farther along, then the lessons get more and more involved. Mm -hmm. And we expect more and more from them yep. as they get older. And that's good. That's great. So, let's see. So, you, you recognize, you realize, and then you require. Require that your children exercise self-control. Now, this is a big one. Um, this includes in the areas of movements. Sitting still when it's called for. You know, help them understand they need to sit still. And it, I know it's hard to, to teach that and to be consistent in that, but you need to teach them that. Teach them to have self-control with their mouths. Use appropriate language and know when to be silent and it's not going to come right away you know there some some kids just some of it depends on their personality you know some children are very talkative others will sit there and just you know be quiet but you want to teach them these things early with their minds pay close attention to that they would pay close attention to the instructions you're giving them and close attention to the tasks so you ask them questions are they understanding what you're what you're requiring of them so um, yeah, so those are the three, the three R's that I thought were very helpful. Recognize, realize, and require. If your child has little or no self-control, they're going to have an extremely hard time learning. If they have no self-control, then it's going to be hard to teach them because they're going to be all over the place. We've got to be consistently requiring this of our children. And like I said, at the very early stages, it's going to be hard. But if you put the work in then, it'll pay big dividends as they grow into older, a little bit bigger monsters. It'll, it'll pay off, so I'll be doing that. Um, and like I said, some of that is going to depend on their personalities. I know my, if I talk about my kids, my son was more compliant and just, and I recognized he was doing this because he wanted to please me. But 
that's okay. You know, he's doing it. He's he's obeying. He's being, you know, I would work on the heart issue, but also it's good that he was obeying. Whereas my daughter was more every all over the place. Just um, she wasn't a bad girl, but I mean, she was just very social, very up and down and all around. You know, she was more like me when I was a kid. My son was more like my daughter, or more like my wife when she was younger, calm. Um, but be teaching that early on. All right, so with those three prerequisites, uh, recognize, realize, and require, understood, we need to answer two questions more specifically than we have before. How do parents teach? How do parents teach? And what do parents teach? I mean, these are obviously going to be general principles here. But first of all, there's at least four ways. And the first way would be through example. Parents teach through example. The, the testimony of your life, Colossians 3, or um, you know, Philippians 1.21. So you're teaching through example. As you're living your life as a parent, you're, you're modeling. And this, this is going to take place in all areas of life. And we talked about this a little bit in previous classes. But uh, be sure that you're, you're cognizant of every opportunity you have to... Uh, Train your children or teach them through example, through how you're doing things. Because they're going to be watching you. Trust me, they're going to be watching you, everything you do. So you can teach through example. Um, so it takes place, um, there's kind of five progressive steps of this modeling by example. First of all, the parent will act and the child will watch. I mean, if I'm breaking it down in a structure, this is how I would say it. First of all, you've got the, the, the parent acts and the child watches. Secondly, the parent acts and the child helps. And third, the child acts and the parent helps. So say you're, you're teaching them how to make a bed, okay? You're, the child's going to watch you make the bed first. And you can do this with anything. But the second one, um, the parent acts and the child helps. The child helps you make the bed. Then the third one, the child acts and the parent helps. So you're helping the child make the bed. And then the child acts and the parent watches. So you watch the child, the final portion of this. And then the final kind of path would be the child acts without the parent and the parent follows up later. So those are the five things of how a child learns by example. If you had to break them down in a structured format. Like I said, it's done with making the bed, maybe washing a car. You know, it's... it's not good when you see a parent telling a child to do something, but doesn't tell them how to do it, doesn't show them how to do it, just tells them how to do it, and then the parent gets mad when the child doesn't know what they're doing. It's like, well, you didn't show them how to do it. You didn't come alongside them and have them watch you first, have them help you, have them do it while you help them, and then you watch them do it. You, know, you, haven't, you haven't done any of that. You just said do it, and you get frustrated because they can't do it. Um, we shouldn't expect them to be able to do it if you haven't shown them how. So live as an example. Um, it can also be done in other areas, though, saying in compassion, you know, you're going to take a meal to um, neighbors, have them come along with you, show them, you know, just living by example, living for Christ, um, and, and let them see it all the time in everything you do. Dad, have an opportunity to go to the hardware store on the weekend, say, hey, ask your son, go with, you want to come with me? And there's an opportunity to teach. Take your daughter with you at times. Always look for opportunities to be bringing them with you and teaching them in different areas. Um, 
and just pouring into their, their life. And that kind of goes into the second, the second one, which is life situations. So you have teaching by example, which if we bring more specific, it's like teaching them how to, like I said, make the bed by example. But then life situations. We learn about that in Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7, teaching them by life situations. Um, situations unique to your family, perhaps. Like times of crisis, such as, you know, there's trials or sorrow, failures, illness, school problems. Shepherd them through these things. How do they deal with these things? How do you, they can see how you deal with it, so they'll learn from that. Help them deal with these situations in a biblical, godly way. And, and tell them why you're dealing with it this way. From Scripture. This is why we're doing this. This is how, we, this is how you deal with the loss of a loved one based on Scripture. Uh, when considering options or decisions. Moving, perhaps moving. Taking a new job. Shepherd your children through this. From Scripture. Help them understand. Difficulty with friends. They're being bullied or... You know, their friends mad at them for some reason. Just help them. Teach them. Don't let them deal with these things on their own and say, ah, sorry, I, I'm too busy. I can't help you right now. Be trying to help them through these things. Current events. Things that are going on in the world. You know, help them. Shepherd them through these things. Those are great opportunities to demonstrate that the power and, and revelation of God's Word. An example, when, when I was in seminary, uh, there was a couple times when I worked at a, uh, the library at the seminary. Uh, we lived in Southern California, where it's very, very expensive. Um, a one-bedroom apartment there, on average, would be about $1,600 a month. A one-bedroom. Maybe, if you could find one, but they're all taken so quickly. But I worked at the library. I couldn't find a job when I first got there, because the job that I wanted was with my degree, and it would have been... It was like a career. It wasn't just a job where I could work and go to school. So I had to figure out something else. Well, I was hired at the library at the seminary. But I was only making $10 an hour, and I, was only making, and I was only working 20 hours a week. And I had to survive. My wife wasn't working outside of the home. So I, we had to try to survive, and I just said, you know what? I, I went to my counselor, and I said, here's my situation. I can either work full-time at this job and maybe take a class here and there once in a while or I can get a, this job at the library and um, go to seminary, seminary full-time and he just looked up and he said what are you here for Joe are you here to work full-time or are you here to go to seminary I said but I have to I have to support my family he says what are you here for that's all he said to me and I was like <sighs> so I took the job at the library making $10 an hour. We never missed rent. We always had food. Our car broke down a couple times. People fixed it for us. I never had to pay one cent for seminary. And I told my kids, I, every time this happened, every time we got a check in the mail, from we didn't know who it was from, every time we got groceries on our front step, every time somebody would offer to fix our car, I would tell my kids, look at this. Look at how faithful the Lord is. You know, and it's just those are great opportunities um, because we didn't know where anything was coming from and it just kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. Um, eventually, my landlord, who was uh, went to our church, he got to the point where he couldn't, um, he needed somebody uh, like a, a helper in his house. So his daughter came to my wife and said, if you will 
stay with him during the day, you won't have to pay any rent for the rest of your time here. I was just like, look at that. Look at how the Lord did all this. And um, those are opportunities you don't want to miss with your kids. When you see the Lord working in these areas, be very um, sensitive to that and share it with your kids. Say, look at what he did here. Praise the Lord when it's his will. So um, be using those life situations. Another way is by a question and answer. Uh, we see that often in Scripture. You know, God instructs his people to use symbols like, like Passover to create questions questions in the mind of, of children. You know, Exodus 20, or 12, 26. He's creating questions in the mind of children. You want to create questions and, and answer these questions. Learn to ask thought-provoking questions of your children and carefully evaluate their responses. Ask these questions and see how they answer them. That's always funny. Um, always be ready for thought-provoking questions from your kids, too. They're going to have these questions that sometimes you're going to be like, wow, I never thought of that. You know, and you have to think about it. Use their own curiosity as a teaching time. If they say something like, um, well, why is the sky blue? Or, did Adam and Eve have a belly button? You know, those are questions kids ask. Um, don't just tell them, you know, you don't know. And that these are just foolish questions. You know, use them to, to speak biblical truth. Answer their questions, but then ask them a, a follow-up question. Maybe say, well, the Bible doesn't tell us if Adam and, Ad, Adam and Eve had belly buttons, but since they did not come from a mommy, what do you think? There was no need for one. You know, just use, use, answer these questions the best you can, scripturally. Help them understand it the best that you can. Um, then ask them, what do we know about Adam and Eve? Why did they sin? And they, they, see, there's an, there's an opportunity to just go into um, scripture teaching again. So... Use question and answer. That's a great way to um, teach your children. Any questions? Any comments? Any examples of maybe some some stories of when you were teaching your kids in any of these areas? Do you have any examples of thought-provoking questions that we can ask the kids? Um, well, I mean, you could just ask them something biblically about, um, you know, why... Why do people do bad things? You know, it's things like that. And things that, the same questions we get from the world, you know, why, 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 why does God allow bad things to happen? You know, and they, they'll start thinking about that, you know. And then you can, you got to be able to answer, answer it, you know. But questions like that. Um, let me think, what would be some other ones? You know, why does God allow bad things to happen? Um, why, how do we know that, evolution is wrong you know did we come from from monkeys and just you know elaborate on those things anything that they're going to be dealing with at school or maybe things that other people have asked you um, theological questions or any number of questions you know think about those things how would we answer these biblically so those would be just a couple but there's many many more you could probably think of um, okay and then the last form I guess is formal teaching the formal Sitting them down, this includes family devotions, uh, family worship, reading a book together. These are going to be usually up to dad. You're going to have to be proactive in having family devotions, proactive in uh, family worship, reading a book together. Um, we would do it every night after dinner. We would open the Bible, we would read it, and I would read maybe, we just, nothing fancy, you know, we just started reading through the New Testament. And I'd ask the kids questions 
throughout. I'd ask my wife questions, and she'd ask them questions, and just get them thinking about it as we read through the New Testament. Um, then at bedtime, you know, pray with your children. Maybe read, you know, read something else with them. Doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, the same the Bible. But there's other books out there. Like there's a good theology series for kids called Theology, right, Suzanne? Yeah, I know she did a review on it. It's really good. It's in our library. It's excellent. Yeah, theology book for kids. Use that at night when they're going to bed. Read that to them. Pray with them. Ask them questions from that book. Uh, just being proactive in shepherding your children. That's the, the formal teaching. All right, so now we move from looking at the hows of teaching to the what's of teaching. We've talked about this throughout the class. But now we'll spend some time getting into the specifics here as we talk about uh, what do parents teach. Um, as you know, only God can change the heart. We've talked about that throughout. That the, the, the primary goal we have is to see our children get saved. We want their hearts to change. That's our primary goal. Um, the purpose is to glorify God, but the way you get to that purpose is through the goal of reaching your children with the gospel of Christ so they may be saved. Well, only God can change the hearts, but parents are responsible to faithfully and accurately be training them up and teaching them the word, as we said. You gotta be, just have to be faithful. That doesn't mean in the end they're going to be these great... They're gonna be, it doesn't mean they're going to be saved. But you are to be faithful in teaching them this way. So that you, know, you, look, you can look all throughout Scripture and you can see... Instances where um, the kids, you know, went off the rails. But does that mean the parents were always not faithful? No. But our, our job is to be faithful in teaching them. The, the parents' priorities that we looked at on the first class will kind of form the, 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 the framework which we begin here with. And if you remember those priorities, we said the first priority was to have a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ that's our, our first priority. A commitment to marriage, your spouse. Commitment to your family. And then a commitment to others around you. Those are the, the commitments that we need to have as we, we, we enter into this, um, what we teach. Those commitments. And as we teach the Bible, as it relates to these commitments, obviously, it's our hope that our children will trust in Christ by observing Scripture and living wisely. But to do this, they have to learn to apply biblical truth to everyday life issues. You know, if you go to, even for us as adults, we go to hear a sermon, and all we hear is this data dump. You know, the pastor gets up there and he just pours all this, everything that he learned in the study, all of his theology, all, you know, this exposition, which is good information, but he just pours that on us. With, there's nothing, no implications, no application. We leave and say, oh, that was nice, that was good information, but... What do we do now? Same with your kids. You have to be applying these truths to their lives as you raise them up. Help them to see how this enters into their life. And you have to think through those things. You have to think hard. I know the pastors here, when we are getting ready for our Facebook Live calls, we sit there and we're trying to think, okay, how can, this is, these are great topics. How does this apply to the body? How does this, how, does, how do we flesh this out? to help the body. You know, so that's the things we have to do. And it's the same thing you have to do with your kids. You have to flesh these truths out to help them, um, to shepherd them in, in living their life. So, so 
this may be, seem obvious, but let's look at two specific topics that are essential topics um, that parents should be teaching their children, okay? Uh, the fear of God and the submission to others. Those topics need to be taught. Uh, Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So as you, when talking about the fear of, of God, as you enter into training your children, you have to help them develop a, a God consciousness, I guess. In other words, help them understand what it means to live a life in His presence. Quorum Deo, before the face of God. Help them to understand what that means. To be always living before the face of God. Not just when you come to church on Sunday. Okay, God, this is where we, we worship God. This is where we live for God. But always, every day, all the time. You have to help them understand that. And you have to help them develop this healthy fear of God. We, we, come, we do have the freedom as Christians. We come before the throne of God. Right? We're able to come before the throne of our holy God and, and offer up prayers to Him. But we still have to remember who we're coming before. We're coming before a holy God, perfect God. We don't come before Him flippantly. We don't come before Him casually and joking. You know, we're coming before a holy God. So yes, we are able to come before Him into His presence, but remember who you're coming before. And that's what we need to teach our children. There's basically three things involved here as you're training your children to fear God. First of all, knowing God. Right? Jeremiah 9, 23-24, or uh, John 17, 3. We need to be teaching our children God's attributes. And that's where that book would come in great. Theology. You're teaching them the attributes of God. And you're going to have to use simple terms, but you still are teaching them the love of God, the wrath of God. And teach them that none of these attributes are an entity in and of themselves. That these, these all um, make up God. This is who God is. He's not more love than he is wrath. Or, you know, that's, that's popular today. People think, well, God is loving, so he wouldn't do these things. No, he is loving, but he's also a God of wrath. He's a God of judgment. So you have to teach them all these attributes, how, they, how this is how God is. Teach them those things. Use songs. That's one way to teach kids. The attributes of God, you can use songs. I remember uh, at my old church, there was a song we used to sing. It says, my God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. There's the omnipotence of God right there. It's all powerful. You're teaching them that. So use songs. There's other songs that could teach other attributes in a way that kids, you'd help kids understand these things. Yeah, you're not sitting them down and saying, well, let's talk about the omnipotence of God. I mean, you could, but these songs will help them understand that in a way, you're still teaching the same thing. It's just in a way that they can, they can grasp it. And then you can tell them what, what this means, you know, what these, these terms mean. Later on, they'll understand more, and you can maybe talk about those terms, but not necessary. So developing a healthy fear of God in our children involves knowing God, but it also involves worshiping God. It also involves worship. Exodus 34, 14, or Psalm 29, 2. And this isn't just, as I said, coming to church on Sunday. It's an all-encompassing. It's, it's all of life. It's an opportunity to worship. And how we live demonstrates who or what we worship. And they'll pick up on that because although you can hide it from people in church, maybe, what you're like at home, what you truly worship at home, where your time is spent, 
what you're worshiping essentially your kids you can't hide it from because they're with you all the time they can see where your your desires are where your heart are where your affections are and they're going to say well this is how dad is I'll go that way I'll just fake it at home and, and I'll go to church and and worship so um, this is an opportunity to to show them that all of life is a is, is you can worship God in all of life help them have a biblical understanding of worship show them that all of us either worship God or we worship our own pleasures or our own idols and you'll have plenty of opportunity to show them that as they're growing um, in in their life you'll have opportunity to show them that as they're uh, they're drawn to their affections that remember we talked about the early on we talked about the different um, aspects of the heart we talked about the mind the will and the affections well young children they just act on their affections the mind and the will completely driven by the affections those are opportunities to show them the the problem here with their affections their their heart is um, idolatrous what's your child's attitude towards food towards computers towards TV or music time all these video games all these pleasures as they get older help them understand and show them why their time um, not that these things are wrong. I'm not saying any of these things are wrong, but um, is this w what they're living for? Is this where they're, what they're driven to do? Uh, is this where their affections lie over everything else? It's same thing with us, right? Show them that. Be careful here because even good things, hobbies, they can bring about fleshly lusts, covetousness. Even, well, for us, well, I won't go there, but... Um, it can bring about these things. It can bring about idolatry. So be careful and, and watch these things. Um, Colossians 3.5 And then teach them what it means to worship God privately. Matthew 6, 1 through 18 uh, To read and find things in the Bible. Teach them to do this. Teach them to read the Bible. Don't just assume they know um, how they should be reading the Bible. Um, they don't know where to start. You know, Teach them. Help them. Teach them to pray and meditate on God's word. Just you're, you're basically you're discipling them essentially. You're teaching them all these things. You're just discipling your children. Teach them to memorize verses. If they can sing, well, you know they'll know certain. They'll have memorized certain songs or certain other things that they enjoy. But it, we need to get them to memorize scripture. Help them memorize scripture. That's a great point with Awana you know they're memorizing scripture yeah you know you say well they're just memorizing it and it's just going into their head yeah but the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword the Word of God gets in there it's gonna have an effect at some point so teach them to memorize scripture Psalm 119 11 I've hidden your word in my heart why that I might not sin against you show them that we hide God's word in our heart and there is a way of escape we're tempted some people say, well, I was tempted and there was no way of escape. We go to God's Word. Go to God in prayer. That's a way of escape. When you're tempted to sin, you go to God. You go to His Word. You, you pray. Uh, but you have to know His Word if you're going to go to His Word. So teach them to memorize it. Large portions of it. And it'll, it'll stick. Uh, teach them the essentials of corporate worship. And then have time for family worship as well. Um, it's got to be modeled through active involvement in a biblical local church you know join a church get involved in the church and they can see that you're serving your love for God and they'll see that and it'll have an effect on them 
you, you, what you want your children to do is you obviously you want them to develop a love for God, a passion for God. That's what we want. They can't love someone they don't even know, so you have to teach them to know God. They can't know God without being taught about Him. So teach them about Him. I, like I said, obviously, you want them to be saved, but they hear the gospel. You say, well, I don't know if they're saved. You keep teaching them the Bible. You keep teaching them these things. Now, the third way to help the child develop a healthy fear of God is to teach them to be pleasing to God. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10.31. I mean, you guys can look these up um, later if you want. I think they're in your notes. 2 Corinthians 5.9. Galatians 1.10 talks about being pleasing to God. It, it, it includes helping your children make decisions biblically. Helping your child make biblically informed decisions. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Teach them what it means to, to not lean on their own understanding, but in all their ways to acknowledge Him. Teach them what that means. Teach them how to choose friends from Scripture. Teach them about different, you know, how to choose their hobbies, their friends. Their, why not to use drugs? What's wrong with, these, with drugs? What's wrong with these things that they hear? Just Don't just tell them, well, that's bad, don't do that. Explain to them why they can't do that, why they shouldn't be doing that. Answer their questions. They might, because often children are gonna, they're gonna want to know. They're gonna come to you. They're gonna want to know why is this wrong. And you have to have an answer. You can't just say because I said so. They're gonna, they're gonna want to know why it's wrong. And then also, tell them what's good. Teach them what's good. Teach them to put off, and put on. Right. So you teach them what's wrong with this choice they want to make, whether it be drugs or whatever. And then teach them what they should be replacing that with. And if you're not sure, then you need to do some research and study and find out what, I don't know. You need to find these things out. If you're going to teach your children these things, you have to know these things. So be in the Word. Okay, so we've seen that teaching our, our children a uh, proper fear of God involves helping them understand what it means to know God, helping them understand what it means to worship God, and helping them understand what it means to please God. We don't only teach them a uh, fear of God, but now we also teach them uh, an obedience and a submission to authority. This is essential. We kind of talked about this in the early early classes. They have to have, uh, they have to be taught obedience and authority, uh, a submission to authority. Oops, man, behind here. So those are the verses. Sorry, guys. Um, but submission and obedience to authority, okay? And if there's different areas to this. When you got to help them understand that God's authority is limitless. It's limitless. And that we're to obey Him in all things. But we also have to understand that God has given limited authority to several institutions that they need to obey and submit to. They need to understand that God requires them to honor and obey these institutions and in doing so, they're obeying God as long as these institutions don't cross the line and ask them to do something that's, you know, sinful. But an example would be parents. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. Parents are their authorities. Explain to them from Scripture. Go through the Scripture and show them that you were put as their authority figure by God. And you need to start doing this young because, as I said, once they get older, especially the teenage years, it's very hard to play catch-up there because... Um, even if you do teach it when they're young, they get old. When they're teenagers, it's very hard um, to, to teach that. Um, the authority to teachers, Hebrews 13, 17. 
uh, government, church, Hebrews 13, 17, all, uh, employers. So you're teaching your children that these institutions God put in place as authority figures. And as we said in our first couple classes, in the 1960s, this is when, when all this started to just be thrown out the window. And, you know, it was, there's nothing new under the sun, so this is nothing new. But for our um, culture that's been so kind of Christianized since the Puritans, or since the First Great Awakening, you have this overflow of Christian morality that's kind of continued on until around the night. And there was, obviously there was, in these other generations it was too, but we think of specifically in the 60s uh, when it started. You know, prayer was taken out of public schools, throw off all authority, so you see this, this snowball effect. Um, so we have to be diligent in teaching our kids that these institutions were put in place as authorities by God in their life. Okay, so there's several other examples. Uh, we don't have time, but we'll just, I'll just say um, teach them how to deal with sin biblically. Teach them how to de deal with personal sin. Um, and then teach them how to deal with other people's sin. That's important. How do they deal? How do they approach somebody uh, that's sinning? How do we um, lovingly confront somebody? When is that appropriate? Should they even be doing it? Who should they be doing it to? And uh, what's, you know, just teach them these things. How do they deal with their own sin? Uh, biblical communication. Teach them to listen more than they speak. He who answers before listening, this is his folly and his shame. Mm -hmm. You know, a foolish individual will uh, not listen. They'll just roll, bulldoze. You know, they won't listen at all. They'll just keep talking and bulldoze you over. But a wise person uh, will ask questions. They'll listen. They'll, um, they'll listen more than they speak. I pray that all the time. I'm praying, Lord, help me to listen more than I speak. As you know, Todd and, and Bob, I've heard Bob say it before too, is what we're about to say better than silence? If not, don't say it. You know, Because our flesh sometimes will want to say something. But think about it. Is, this, is what I'm about to say better than silence? And oftentimes it's not. So we need to teach our kids that. Um, how to love and serve others biblically. How to deal with desires expectations, disappointments. Teach your kids how to deal with disappointments because they're going to need to know that. Um, certain expectations, how to handle trials, biblical stewardship, a biblical worth eth ethic. So all of those are instances of what we should be teaching our children. And I know there's a lot I just went through, but um, if you have the notes, you'll see those main points. Um, and you can, you can use those as you're, as you're training your children. So... The final role that we'll look at is the role of encourager. We don't have much time, so let me just kind of skim through it. Um, Ephesians 6.4 tells us, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Now, this anger is characterized by wrathful, impulsive uh, lifestyle. It includes open rebellion um, uh, and, and passive resentment, like stubbornness, indifference, or apathy. Colossians 3.21, Fathers, do not exasperate. Don't cause your children to lose heart or be discouraged so that they will not lose heart. Um, yeah, we don't have enough time to go through all this, but... Hmm. I know we finish next week. Yeah, what we'll do is... I'll, this, is my, this will be my first point when I come back, um, being the encourager. So we'll finish up um, this aspect when we meet in two weeks. 
So I'll, I'll set up some new notes though so that you can have that as your first point and then we'll close out our time um, from there. So um, sorry about that. It's always, I mean last week I had more notes than this and I got through them all. This week I had less and I still didn't get through it. So it just depends. But any questions before we close? Yeah. Next week, so um, we'll the, be able to go back and watch that. The last one was live streamed, and this one is live streamed. The first two were not, but I'm thinking about talking to Jim and see if, if, if I can just do them here with nobody here so that we'll have the whole series. Um, but I'll let you know if, if I'm able to do that. Okay? So, all right, let's pray, and then we will be dismissed. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for uh, your word, and thank you for these mandates, Lord. As, it is difficult as parents to um, follow these principles, Lord. And we know that, um, obviously, Lord, we're not perfect. We just desire to be faithful. We just desire to be consistent in raising our children and uh, encouraging and teaching. Um, help us to be coming alongside um, new parents and helping them as they raise their children. This is a, a the, the uh, local church, this body of believers is an asset to young parents, and I pray that we will about, be about the business of coming alongside them and helping them, encouraging them, and even teaching them when we have their children in class. And Lord, we just are so grateful for this opportunity. Uh, we pray for you. Or, I mean, we 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 thank you for this opportunity. We pray for the men and the as we're going to Florida this week. Lord, keep us safe. Uh, help us to get there safely, to have an enjoyable time, just a time of fellowship and. I worship that you'd be glorified through it. We love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. You've been listening to a presentation from Maranatha Bible Church in Comstock Park, Michigan. No part of this recording may be edited or distributed without prior written consent. For more information, go to mbcmi.org.